You're listening to the Eltham Baptist Church Podcast. Um, for those of you who don't know me, my name's Oliver. And uh, I was asked this morning, the guy who preached this morning, his name's Rob. And I was asked by Gudrun, is there going to be any, like, overlap between what you're sharing with us tonight and what um, Rob shared this morning? And uh, the only thing that I could think of, uh, the theme, common theme that runs through is both of us have got a frog in our throat. <laughs> so I think you can hear, yeah, for those of you who normally know what my normal voice sounds like, it's definitely much more of a radio voice for me right now. Move the mic away. How's that? Thanks for the tip, Lucky. Still hear me? Yeah? Still hear the frog? All right. I'm going to pray and then we'll... Get stuck into this. Uh, Heavenly Father, uh, I just come tonight uh, bringing bare bones, things that I believe you've been teaching me and showing me and uh, helping me to put into practice in my life. And I just, uh, I need your spirit to breathe into these bare bones to make them living as it was for Ezekiel in the Valley of Dry Bones, Lord. I pray that your Holy Spirit would come and take um, the preparations, Lord, that you've been leading me through and bring it to life, Lord, that your Spirit right now would minister into the lives of your children, Father, that your Word would go forth, Lord, in power according to your will and that it would not return to you void but would achieve what you desire to accomplish. I pray for myself, Lord, that I would be as glass, Lord, a vessel pure, holy unto you, set apart. That is my desire, Lord, and I thank you that you are helping me to attain this by your power. And I just ask for this message tonight, Lord, that for all that you desire to impact in particular ways, Father, that it would do that and that we would receive your grace by faith more and more unto your glory and praise we pray amen well what we're going to be looking at tonight is um in a nutshell i've brought it down to something receiving grace by faith um if you flick to john chapter one john says this about jesus christ john 1 16 for from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. From the fullness of Jesus Christ, it's just like grace upon grace upon grace. There's just so much that has been lavished out upon us in Christ. What is grace? It can be hard to define. I'm not set on this definition that I'm going to give you now. I'm not like, this is the definition for grace, but I'm trying to give you something broad um, that we'll cover off tonight and that I believe kind of um, is what John is referring to here when he says grace upon grace. It's grace, I think, is, as I'm learning, is something that God has done for us that we could not do for ourselves that is free. So um, an example of that is salvation something that God has done for us that we could not do for ourselves that is free. It's a gift. Yeah? So we receive salvation. It's a grace of God that we receive. Or the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience. You know those? These things sometimes we're able to have in our lives and, and to, um, to see. But if we truly want them to be continually in our lives, then it has to come from God. 
all these things. There's only so much patience you've got, isn't there? <laughs> only so much love or um, self-control. <laughs> How limited is your self-control? But these things have been given to us by God through Christ, through the work of Christ. And this is a grace. So we receive, as it says, grace upon grace through the fullness of Jesus. I want to read to you another passage that kind of alludes as well to what John is writing there. It's the opening verses of Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Paul writes this. It's hard to cough away from a microphone that follows you, but I'll try. Is that a bit better? Okay, Ephesians 1, 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Grace upon grace. These are things, and notice here that it's past tense, past tense, who has blessed us. Not who will bless us or is going to bless us, who has blessed us. We have received grace upon grace. It's already done, available. See that? But it's a funny thing when you consider this and you look at my life or the life of many Christians, perhaps you wonder, where is this grace upon grace? Where, if you look at your own life, do you think, yeah, I just am, I see this spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, every spiritual blessing I have in Christ. I just see that every day in my life. Do you ever wonder that? Like, what's up, what's up with that? Why is it that so often, I don't know if you find this, you go to the scripture and you read it, and then you look up, like, out into the real world of, um, you know, where we're at in faith, and you think, I just feel like this is not the reality of what's happening here. What's going on? Do you ever wonder that? No? I do. I wonder. And do you want me to tell you what I feel is often the impact of the difference between what we read in here and what is happening in our lives? It's faith. We receive grace by faith. Let me give you an example of this. There's a group of people who um, they received a message from the Lord, right? Um, and they received this message but they, they did not um, receive the fullness of this message. I better read it to you. It's easier to describe from the scripture. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 14. And we'll read um, to the opening verses of chapter 4. So it's talking here about the people of Israel. Okay? Now, I want you to remember um, and keep your ears out for the faith. Okay, the belief, it will refer to it as belief in this passage. Hebrews 3.14, talking about the, the children of Israel before they entered the promised land. And you know how they wandered around in the desert for 40 years? In this passage in Hebrews, it's talking about this. For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. As it is said, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. And then now it refers to those children of Israel. For, those, for who were those who heard and yet rebelled? Was it not all those who left Egypt led by Moses? And with whom was he provoked for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose body fell in the wilderness? 
And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? So we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For good news came to us, just as to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them. Why? Because they were not united by faith with those who listened. So it's talking about, um, they send the spies out to, to, to spy out the promised land, and they come back and they basically say, oh, it's a beautiful place, just a land flowing with milk and honey. But there are these huge people there, giants, and only two of the spies, Joshua and Caleb, said, yep, yeah, we can take this land. But all the other spies from, sent out from Israel said, oh, I don't think we can do it. And then the whole Israelite community basically says, you know, we can't enter this promised land. We can't do it. Right? So they received this message of, a, in some ways, a grace of God, something that they could have received that they couldn't have done themselves. Right? They could have entered the promised land, but they couldn't have done it by their own power. Of course, they weren't strong enough. But by the grace of God, by what he has done, they entered many years later. But these people, right, they received that message, a good message, and they listen to it and they think, oh, I don't think we could do that. And you see already there's doubt, there's unbelief, there's not faith. That's what it's talking about here. It says... In verse 19, chapter 3, verse 19, so we see that they were unable to enter into the promised land, into this rest, as it's calling it in Hebrews. They were unable to enter because of unbelief. Later in um, verse 2 of chapter 4, for good news came to them, came to us, just as to them. So we've also received a message of grace, right? We've also received a message of grace, as, to these, as these guys did. Good news came to them, came to us just as to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them. Did not benefit them. Imagine that, receiving a great message, all this potential, and not receiving one iota of the benefit of that. Such a terrible and sad thing, hey? The message did, they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. Faith is so important. It can mean the difference between, between receiving a grace from God and not receiving it. It's that, like, crucial here. I always found it funny. I always thought, why, why Lord, is faith, like, so important in this way? I, I was thinking about this, and I thought, it made me feel a bit like, I don't know, like Peter Pan sometimes. I don't know if you ever think of Peter Pan, but I... I had a look up, and it says that of Peter Pan, that for him, make-believe and true were exactly the same thing. <laughs> and I thought, sometimes I feel like that as a Christian. Oh, yeah, I just believe that. <laughs> and it's like, well, make-believe and true are the same kind of thing. I, feel a bit, I felt a bit like Peter Pan. But the Lord's opened me to see that that's actually a, a lie. It's not true. It's not true. I'll explain some of these things why. Or, you know, perhaps a, a postmodern sort of thought. Oh, yeah, if you believe that, Oliver, you know, if, if you believe in that grace of God, um, you know, oh, yeah, that you can always be a, a patient person by the grace of God. If you believe that, that, that's good for you. Whatever works for you, mate. You know that sort of thing? I was kind of thinking, oh, mate, I, I feel like, 
I feel like that when I think about just believe, you know, and, and it will happen. Do you ever think that? No? Yeah? A few years? I, was, I thought that. I thought, oh. And it feels, you feel a bit like embarrassed to share those kind of thoughts with other believers, don't you? You feel embarrassed even before the Lord to say that in prayer. Like, imagine saying to, saying to God, Lord, sometimes I feel a bit like I'm Peter Pan, that it's just make-believe. That'd be a bit of a hard prayer to pray. But it's good because this exposes the truth in our hearts and then God can help us to um, bring his truth in and bring about the reality of what he's done, which is what happened for me, right? So I was wrestling with this. I'm like, this faith stuff, it's kind of a bit funny. Like, how does faith make such a big difference that we won't receive? Exactly as it says here. They were unable to enter to receive that grace because of unbelief. Why did belief make any difference at all? And I, okay, the, the things that the Lord has showed me, I'm now going to uh, share to you and unpack. But there's, there's two, two things that I think faith really makes the difference here. And the first reason that faith, 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 faith makes a difference in receiving the graces of God is because Satan is a liar. Where did that come from? <laughs> that feels like it's come from somewhere strange, doesn't it? Jesus says, um, John 8, 44, talking of, of, of the devil, of Satan. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character for he is a liar and the father of lies. Satan is the father of lies. I'm wrestling with this, but I almost feel like that fatherhood of lies for Satan is like the source. Almost like the source of every lie. It, it feels like that. Yeah. But he, he describes Satan as a father of lies. So what on earth does that have to do with faith and entering and, and receiving graces of God, right? I'll tell you what, a, a lie, lies are such powerful things that... If you believe a lie so fully, that lie can become a reality for you. Did you know that? Yeah. Have you ever identified a lie in your life like that? Yeah, it's great. This is wonderful to hear that people are seeing these things. You know, that the Lord is opening our eyes to see this, right? Okay, so I just want to give you a basic example. And some of you have done the Freedom in Christ course. Um, that kind of tackles this sort of section um, on, on the lies of Satan. But just a, a classic example, you know, is something like this. If um, there's a father who's got a son and he, he loves his son, but he hasn't got really good self-control and he's got a bit of anger, manage, anger problems. And every time his son does something to frustrate him, he just says, oh man, you're useless. You know, every time, oh, you're useless. Every time he just, you know, loses his son or gets upset or annoys him, oh, you're useless. Imagine that son growing up, you know, as a child and just feeling, he's going to feel so useless, isn't he? That's almost going to come as an identity. And that's not true. And that, that kid's not useless. He can be of such benefit and help. My two-year-old daughter is so helpful already. Like I was asking her today, oh, can you put this in the bin? I want to put it in the bin. I don't have to do that. That is helpful. She is already of great use. You, you laugh, but a two-year-old is useful and helpful. And someone can have a lie like that so much in their head that they believe that they are just completely useless and just crushed. 
And this is why faith makes the difference. Jesus says earlier in John chapter 8, before he calls, he explains that Satan is the father of all lies. He says in John 8, 31, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. I feel like Jesus is explaining there, if you anchor, if, if you abide in the word, if you, if you are reading the Bible, you, you're receiving the word of the Lord, and you are... You, this begins to become a reality. You know what is the truth then. This is truth, right? And by this truth, we are able to test everything else that is a lie. I'll give you some other examples of this later on. But by this truth, we are able to test everything else that is a lie. And then as we see, oh yeah, you, you, you begin to get clarity. Actually, I'm not useless. I'm not useless, or whatever it might be, this, this lie. And you say, yeah, this is actually the truth. And then what you've got is a conflict. And this is where faith comes into it, right? You have this lie that you've believed, although perhaps you don't know it to be alive or a lie, and it's become so real to you that it's become your experience, that you are useless to people. And you're like, that's my life. I'm a useless person. That's become your reality. But... It's not true. Your reality is based on a lie, right? We need our reality based on truth. And that's the point at which faith kicks in, right? It's like all I see, all I experience is I'm a useless person to people. I'm unable to be of help. But I choose to believe what God has said, and therefore I'm not useless. And you see that? By faith, that grace is begin to be received. And that's why faith is so important. It's not just make-believe Peter Pan. It's not, oh, yeah, that worked for you, Oliver. No, faith makes the difference. This is one of the reasons why there's such a big disconnect between what we read in here and often what's happening in our lives and the lives of other believers. It's faith. Do we really believe? Or are we believing the reality that we are experiencing? Sounds a bit simple, doesn't it? But I believe this to be true. And as the Lord has been showing me these things over a little while now, I start to see the, the fruits of the faith that I place in God's Word bringing the reality of His grace in my life. Another thing that I feel is really important in this is um, from Matthew chapter 11. Um, 25 to 26, Jesus says this, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will, or other translations, for such was your good pleasure. And as you read that, it's, it says that he's hidden from the wise and learned, it's like we can try to attain um, through our own wisdom and our own learning how to understand to attain this grace, right? But Jesus says he's hidden it from those people who want to attain it in that way and he's revealed it, made it known to little children. And it says, for this was for your good pleasure. 
In Hebrews um, 11.6, there's an important verse on faith. faith. I'm doing that a bit, aren't I? Faith, faith. There's an important verse on faith. Hebrews 11.6, without faith, it is impossible to please him, meaning God, talking about God. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. See here in this previous passage that we read in Matthew 11, that he reveals it to little children for his good pleasure. And he receives pleasure from us when we express faith to him. So you can see a little child receiving knowledge or understanding or insight or able to live out and experience the reality of a grace of God in their life, we see that happen when it's, it's a simple faith, and then the Lord receives pleasure through that. There's, um, I just feel, um, yeah, John 4, 50, there's a verse that I just feel captures this childlike faith so well that brings pleasure to the, to the Father. Um, an official comes to Jesus and, and Jesus says to, uh, about it, his son, who is very sick and almost about to die. And Jesus says to him, go, your son will live. And it says the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went on his way. So simple. Jesus just spoke. The man believed and went on his way. And in my experience, so often in our Christianity, we complicate this. We try and figure out and understand and attain wise learning into insights into the Scripture. And there is a place for that. But do what that man did. Hear the word of the Lord. Receive it. Believe and go on your way. And it said, as you probably well know in that passage, that the the man's son was healed. I wonder if he had not taken God, at his, Jesus at his word at that point in time, if that man, if Jesus said, go, your son will live. And that was the word of the Lord spoken by Jesus, right? I wonder if that man had not believed that and he'd like, oh, my son will live. Does he mean like in eternity? Does he mean like, you know, you see what I'm saying? And, and suddenly, it's almost like the parable of the sower. Jesus says, some of the seed is scattered on rocky path and birds come and eat that seed. And he says that those birds represent Satan stealing away the word so that it bears no fruit at all. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went on his way. Let us return to a childlike faith that brings our Father pleasure. I want to try and give um, a bit of an illustration to just help you guys capture this a bit more. And this is kind of um, adapted a bit from um, Watchman Nee's The Normal Christian Life. <coughs> Awkward sideways cough again. Um, but I want you to imagine um, I have a eight-week-old, nine-week-old son right now in my wife's arms. Um, his name's Abel. And when Abel was born, he was learning to open his eyes so he could see, right? He's like, 
oh, like if he was up here, this would be too bright for him. I remember I, I took him into the sun sometimes, you know? I don't know if you've ever seen a newborn and they go into the sun and they're just like, clamp their eyes shut. It's just so intense for them. So Abel's in this, is in this place where he's learning to, to see. He's never had to use his eyes before. Like, it's pretty dark in a womb, hey? Can't speak from my experience of memory, but I was there at one point in time. So he's learning to see with his eyes. And imagine that I'm just so glad at my son being born, and I've prepared this, this gift for him. Um, and I want him to be able to see this gift, right? And I'm like, Abel, open your eyes so that you can see this gift that I've prepared. And he's like, you know, and he can't do it. But is the gift real for Abel? Is it a real gift? Does it actually exist? Yes, of course it exists. It can be right in front of him. But if he doesn't open his eyes, then he can say, he couldn't say because he's a baby. But let's imagine. This is an illustration, guys. Work with me. Let's say he says, sorry, I can't see the gift. I can't, I can't see it. I'm like, open your eyes. And he, he tries his hardest, but he can't open. No, I can't see the gift. It's, it's not there. Do you see that? Faith is when we open our eyes and we're like, I can see what you have already prepared for me. It's sitting there right in front of us, ready to be unpacked. In Hebrews 11.1, um, 1, um, it gives this definition. Hebrews has got lots on faith. Gives this definition of faith. Now, faith, faith, there it is again. faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. The word assurance um, can also mean like substantiate, to test and to see it, right? So the f- faith is substantiating things not seen. So let's say, right, my present reality is I'm, I'm, my present reality is I'm a useless person. I'm that, I'm that um, son whose father just told him he was useless from childhood, and I've just experienced uselessness to everyone in my life. That's, that's my reality, right? Um, faith is substantiating or receiving assurance of things unseen. So it's like, right now in my life, I am a useless person. That's, that's what my experience is. But as I receive by faith the grace of God, my eyes become opened and I can see, yeah, I'm not. And then I substantiate that truth or that reality, that grace in my life and then my experience changes. Like, yeah, it is true. I'm not useless. There is a change. It's, it's like the opening of the eyes. The gift is always there. It's, it's, never, it's never changed. With, if, with that gift with my son Abel, going back to that image, it's there. It exists. It is real. But for Abel, it is not real until he opens his eyes to be able to perceive it, right? Your Father in heaven... Oh, let me read it, do it this way. I'm just going to go back to John chapter 1. And read that passage again. For from his fullness we have all received 
grace upon grace. It's done on the cross. Through Jesus' birth, his life, his death, his resurrection, his ascension, and so many other things that I'm still learning about and growing in, we have all received grace upon grace. It's all there. It's all packaged and ready. It's prepared as a gift. But faith makes it a reality for us. Let me give you an example of this, and I believe an example that probably almost everyone in here has experienced, right? You have received salvation. How did you receive that? Did you work really hard for it? No. You received it by faith, and it is a grace of God. No one is able to work their way into salvation. No one can get back into God's holy standard. It has been set. And the only way in is by receiving the grace of God prepared in Christ through his death and resurrection, receiving that in faith and saying, Lord, I can't do it. I trust in what you've done. Thank you that I receive this grace and that my sins are forgiven. There you go. You've already got at least one grace by faith. See that? But can you see how it works? No one will receive salvation unless it is through faith. It's already prepared, packaged, and ready. It says that Jesus died for the sins of the whole world. It's ready for anyone, but only those who have faith will receive that. Let me give you another example of this. Um, Recently, I was praying with someone, and they were just sharing with me, like, and really vulnerably, and they said, I even find it hard to share with you, Oliver, but I just feel spiritually like I just, I don't even know how they were expressing it, but like I feel spiritually like I'm, I'm going backwards or shrinking, like I find it hard to pray, to connect with God, and I just feel, I just feel guilty to even come in prayer, right? And I was listening to this, uh, this person just sharing up, uh, you know, and just sharing from such a vulnerable place, and I was just like, man, this is, Lord... This is not your will for this person to be in this place. You don't want them to to find it hard to come to you because they just feel so guilty about where the relationship with you is at. And you know what the Lord helped me to do at that point by faith? I was like, bang, Romans 8.1. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. And by faith, I just spiritually saw, I'm like, that's it. And I just started praying and I just cut off in prayer by faith any condemnation, any guilt. I just said, Lord... I thank you that there is no condemnation. It is all removed. It is done. It is gone in Christ. And this sister has received it. It is taken. This is theirs. There is no condemnation. You know what happened? It went. There was no guilt after that. Imagine that. And right in that moment, a grace was received by faith. And then the Lord was able to come in and then just continue to minister and show them, you know, what was happening in their lives spiritually. I'll give you another example. Um, and this one's uh, a bit, yeah, I'll show you. Um, so Dawny and I, we, we went to pray recently and just had such a sense that the Lord was bringing us into prayer at this time, right? And we got down on our knees at the bed and just as we were about to start praying, um, Abel is still uh, in our, um, sharing our room at the moment. Um, just as we were about to start praying, he was in bed and he just started crying and crying and crying. And 
we were just, you know, almost words about to come out of our mouth in prayer. And then Abel starts crying. And I was about to get up and go to him and try and settle. And I thought, wait a second. That is really sus. That is like too strange. And I just thought, no. Nah. Lord, I believe that you want us to be here in prayer because you're going to do something through this prayer time now, right? I believe that you're going to do something through this time of prayer. And so I just thought, that is just too sus. So I just prayed. I said, Lord, I believe that you want us to do something here. And then if I go to my son Abel right now, and if I try and settle him, that he won't settle. And so I just pray. And actually, I believe there it was, kicking him faith. It turned from, I ask you, Lord, to I believe, Lord, that my son is going to settle. And I prayed that prayer and stopped. And guess what happened? He kept crying. <laughs> and I was like, oh. But I, th- I held on to the faith. I was like, no, nah, I believe, Lord, that you're wanting to do something here. And this is somehow a distraction. And I just held on to that in faith. And after a minute, Abel stopped crying. And so Dawn and I were like, wow, that's strange. We were talking about it. And again, started coming back to the time of prayer. And then he started crying again. And I thought, okay, this is kind of, I don't know. But again, I was like, Lord, I believe the place you want me to be is not over caring, um, you know, settling my son, but it is here by my bed with my wife because I believe you want to do something through this time. So I just prayed again, Lord, I believe that you're going to calm my son. And I, I prayed And I said, thank you, Lord, that you will do that. Again, he kept crying for another minute, and then he stopped. And then Dawny and I entered into this time of prayer, and the Lord did wonderful things, was just showing us uh, things in our heart and and all sorts of things. And Abel didn't cry again for a long period of time until we came to this place where we thought, yeah, we've prayed through, and what you wanted to do, Lord, in this prayer time has been accomplished. And then he started crying again. And this time I got up and went to him, or Doiny did. He was hungry. <laughs> and you see that? That it was prayed in faith, and I received, therefore, in prayer, what the Lord was wanting to do in that time. The good thing that he'd prepared, that he'd already made available to me, I received through that time of prayer with my wife, and I believed in faith that I was going to receive it, despite what was happening with my son crying. I just want to end back on um, Ephesians 1.3 and just share one more thing. Paul writes, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. It's done. Jesus Christ has walked this earth. He did the will of the Father faithfully. He returned to him and is now seated at the right hand of God. And because of that, he has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. You have that now. And it is by faith that you will receive it more in its fullness. Take him at his word. And what you'll begin to experience as you receive by faith and overcome perhaps lies or you enter into a place of bringing your Heavenly Father pleasure through your childlike faith. As you do that, 
you will experience the reality of his grace, and then you'll be able to say, as Paul did at the very start of this verse, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, I'm so thankful. Blessed be your name that you have done this for me, that I can receive these realities, this grace that you have prepared for me. And what you will begin to see happen in your life as you receive the graces of God by faith, you will begin to see praise and thankfulness overflow and you'll give glory to your Father in heaven. Abide, fruit, glory. It's all done and it is by faith. All right, let me pray. Holy Spirit, I thank you, uh, as Jesus declared, that you will not leave us as orphans, but that you will send the counselor. And Spirit, you are here with each one of us. Wow, what a grace that is. God with us, in us, right now. Open my eyes, Lord. Open our eyes to the reality of that grace, Lord. I. I'm sure I have not received the reality of the grace of your spirit dwelling within me in fullness in my life. But I want to, Father. And I believe, Lord, that by your Holy Spirit, you are creating in my brothers and sisters here a desire and hunger for your grace, a thirst after you, a desire for greater things in their life, Lord, to let go of sin that may have bound them for many years to receive freedom, to be a joyful person naturally, for anger or frustration to dissipate, Lord, and for peace and self-control to come. These are the things that you have come for. As you said, Lord, I've come that you might have life and life to the full. And Father, I thank you that you give faith. And so I pray, just especially for anyone here who just feels like, man, I don't know if I have that faith. Just ask um, that they will be able to pray, as Lord indeed you've shown me to pray many times, and I've prayed the prayer of that man who came to you, and he wanted his, I think, son healing to be healed from a demon. And he said to Jesus, if, you, if it is possible, you can, you can heal him. And Jesus said, if it's possible, everything is possible for him who believes. And the man just said, oh, I believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. And Lord, I have prayed that to you so many times. I felt, oh, I can't pray this prayer in faith. I can't receive this grace, this reality, Lord. But I've cried out to you, Father, and I've said, help me overcome my unbelief. And the faith is risen, Lord, and I've prayed it and received, Father. So, Lord, for your children who you have prepared good things for, every one of us, you know our lives, I don't, Father. You know the ins and outs. You know the wrestles, the struggles, the pains, the sufferings. You know it intimately, Lord. And you have already prepared everything they need for life and godliness, everything we need. 
past tense, it is done, it's prepared, the gift is waiting in front of us. Lord, thank you, and I pray that our eyes would be open to receive the reality of your grace in our lives, that our lives might align more and more with your Holy Scripture, Father, that we would be more and more as Jesus was, the Word in the flesh, Lord, that these words might become our lives, our reality, our experiences that uselessness would fall off, Lord. That pain, that unforgiveness, bitterness would fall off, Lord. And forgiveness and freedom would come. Yes, the realities we read about in the Scripture. It's all prepared. It's all ready, Father. Thank you. Thank you, Lord God. Glory unto you. You are the mighty one who has done all of this. The gracious one the loving one. And Father, we say with our brother Paul who walked this earth many years before us, blessed, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Glory, honor, and praise to you. For you, your name is the highest, Jesus Christ. Because of your faithfulness, doing the will of your Father here on earth, the Lord has exalted you to the right hand, to his right hand, and that is where it is right for you to be. And we praise you for that, Father. And because you are at that right hand, Lord, we have received from that fullness grace upon grace. Thank you, Father. Amen. You've been listening to the Eltham Baptist Church podcast. If you'd like to hear more or simply pay us a visit, go to www.elthambaptist.com.au.